The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. They won one. They got one, fam. Uh, how ridiculous is it? I just looked this up the other night. Um, the Flyers, this is, you know, since 2016, their fifth streak of something happening 10 plus times in a row. Uh, the first one, obviously, 2016, they win 10 in a row. The following year, lose 10 in a row. They have they did it last year, uh, twice, and now they've lost 10 in a row for a third time in a calendar year. But four of those five streaks landed exactly 10 and basically happened at the exact same time of year. I don't know. I find that odd. Anyway, it's, it's a it's bad a weird time team, man. of the year. Well, So I just want to jump in here before I get officially yeah, introduced because oh. I had this in a column. It was after they lost the ninth game, so they lost one more after that. Yeah, And I wrote that column operating on the assumption they were going to lose 10 times in a row. <laughs> uh-huh. Why By the way, <laughs> I was right, just saying. So my stat was this. From November 18th through this past Saturday when they reached their third 10-plus 10 ga- 10 game losing streak, in essentially a calendar year, they had played in 90 games. And I said, if they lose yet again, and let's be honest, they probably will, that means that 33 of their last 90 games have been spent in double-digit losing streaks. That's 36.6% of the games they played have been, since November 18th of last year, have been involved in a 10-plus game losing streak. And really, it's more, because they had One to out of win every that three. game to get, like, to get out of the streak... They had to win that following game. Yeah, true. So really, it's even more than that. Yeah, true. I guess you true. can't count the first one that... Whatever. Good job, Charlie. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into this thing because, man, what a what a great time it is covering the Philadelphia Flyers on a daily basis. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. All right. So I so rarely get to gloat about being right about something, except for when I steal Charlie's thoughts. And... In case you didn't know that, this weekend there is a hockey analytics conference in Seattle happening. 
And uh, Micah McCurdy, who, in my opinion, is the greatest hockey mind of our generation and also a very nice man, his presentation at the conference is about uh, player aging and kind of how it happens, you know, how they age, what it means, when they're good, when they're not good, blah, 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 whatever. You can read his paper. It's actually really interesting. Um, Anyway, there was a, a bit of a back and forth between some prominent hockey nerds um, on Twitter, namely Micah and uh, Yolo Pinato, whose name is Chris. Is his name Chris? Yeah, Chris. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Chris. Um, Good guy. We're kind of going back and forth about what development is, and several times it was pointed out that the numbers, the nerdery, the smart people stuff shows that if a player is an NHL player. They are an NHL player. They do not require AHL seasoning. It's fake. So like I've been saying forever, if Cam York or whoever is an NHL player, he was one before, he is now, he does not need to learn anything in the AHL in order to be an NHL player. You just put him in and he'll figure it out. Or he won't, which means he's not an NHL player. Boom. Solved it. You're welcome. Yeah, like we've yeah, seen, I, we've I seen still Morgan don't believe Frost that. kill it. <laughs> We've seen Morgan Frost kill it in the AHL. It is translated to exactly zero production at the NHL. It's because he's not good. Not an NHL player. It doesn't matter how old he gets, he's not good. And how did we learn? We put him in the NHL. Boom, solved it. That's how you solve it. Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, I'm not on board with that. I I, I think that's true for the elite guys. The guys who are like... Who are clear-cut, like, yeah, these guys are going to be real good. I do not think that's true for the middle and lower tier. From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah. Oh, I got I, that. I got that dollar a month deal, Charlie. I'm really oh, yeah. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Hell yeah! Did, did I get the subscription? Of course. Yes. Yes. Just as we move towards not. I, one thing I love about this, I'll give you a little inside baseball tea on the athletic. For years, we were judged. The writers were judged on subscriptions and how many subscriptions we generated, and. Just now that the flyers are so bad that no one wants to read about them, now we're being judged on how many people actually read the articles. It's like, great. oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, now, shit. Now, now you're being judged on the thing I'm not going to look good on because got news for you. The flyers are hopeless and no one wants to read about them. So that's fun. Well, just everyone out there who does have a subscription, click hit the little it. that's awesome button at the bottom. I mean, you don't even have to hit that's, that's awesome. Old. Just just click the collar and it. look yeah. at it. You don't even have to read it. Just bring uh-uh. it up on your screen scroll for it. like two yeah. seconds, scroll a little bit, and then exit out. Makes me look good. Might help me keep a job. It's like what I do with this podcast. I just open it and like play and then fast forward and play, <laughs> and then it's done. I'm like, okay, I think we got to listen. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, I guess I don't really have a hot take tonight. Uh, one thing that does seem like good news is that Cam Atkinson apparently isn't dead anymore. He's regularly <laughs> at practice. And wow. today on 97.5 The Fanatic, John Tortorella said that both him and Connecticut are now more day-to-day than long-term. We don't and listen to that right now. kind of imply that they could play in the next couple games. So that's pretty cool because I think a lot of people had just decided that Cam Atkinson was going the – path of ryan ellis and it does not appear he is that's that's good, good. question mark <laughs> like this is <laughs> this is where we are and like it's yeah it, it's good news whatever but it's literally player not dead <laughs> oh good <laughs> uh so so i watched that uh that game against the penguins at a bar the other night and i really enjoyed the start to the uh 
to the Islanders game last night with the two fights in the first eight seconds. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I think I'm going to get a Delorier jersey. <laughs> I just, it's the perfect encapsulation of this ridiculous era and this se- ridiculous season and everything that's been so wrong with this team. But <laughs> I really enjoy watching him fight. I, I, it's, he doesn't go for the bear hug. He tries to keep separation and like land some outside shots. I'm a big fan of the way he fights. Uh, you'll get to, you'll get to wear it for four years. Yeah. That's the other thing. Four years with trade protection. Like, yeah, this seems like a good investment. You know, (laughs) I bought an Oscar Lindblom jersey and 18 months later he gets bought out. Wow. Yeah, and, and what I'll say, too, about Delorier, whatever you say about his cocky playing ability, and truthfully, I don't even think he's been that bad this year, eh, he's um, at least relatively speaking to the rest of the roster, which also isn't very good. Um, he's a very, very nice guy, and this is usually the case with fighters. Like, fighters They're tend to always be, the nicest. be really good quotes. <laughs> they tend to be really good, you know, with, like, fans, particularly younger fans, like, really giving them the time of day mm-hmm. and kind of, like, you know, if they're around, he, you know, they, they, they just make it a priority. I think it's probably because, like, even though they were good at lower levels, they were never, like, so good that they got such a big head that, like, I'm the fucking shit, man. Like, they've always just got, they had the idea of, like, you know what, I'm a role player. That's what I am, and I need to, you know, keep just just not get too full of myself. And because of that, they just don't have that sense of entitlement that some of the stars mm-hmm. have. Even the, the the more open stars do still have that, like, yo, like, look, I, I know that I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna give you some quotes, but like, I'm still the best player on the team. So like, you gotta defer to me a little bit. Nick Delorier is never going to have that. I've enjoyed covering him. I've enjoyed interviewing. He, he seems like a good guy. So if, if that matters to you in your purchase, no. I will say, Nick Delorier, good dude. Yeah, I'm a, and let me, let me real quick just say, I will, uh, I will not be buying this from the Flyers or from Fanatics. This is going to be a knockoff because they're not getting any of my money. I'll tell you that. I avoid Fanatics at literally all costs. They're not a sponsor, are they? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard them. Well, if they are, I love Fanatics. Lo- send uh, us some jerseys. We'll, we'll say yeah. nice things about you. Send me a Delorier jersey, and I'll <laughs> say all sorts of nice shit. Uh, but chances are, like, it, the name would be put on backwards, and, like, the numbers Probably. would be upside down. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I just think it would be fun. And uh, I'm going to the game in Vegas uh, next week, and I want to wear something stupid, and that's the stupidest thing I can think of. And I like watching him fight. He's a good fighter. All right, so let's actually, get into can, this. Yeah, can I uh, can I actually jump in for a second, Bill? Because I do actually want to address a tweet that I made I during the game rest. yesterday. Because it, it got yeah, a sure. fair amount of feedback. And I even, even to the point where there were people in my comment section of my article today who wanted to talk about it. And... I will read the tweet, and then I will elaborate on exactly what I meant, because I still very much hold to the underlying sentiment of this tweet, but it's Twitter. I get it. Some people might not fully understand what I was getting at. Are you telling me nuance went out the window on social media, Charlie? You know what happens. So the tweet was, it was after the two fights at the start of the game, and it was, I get these sorts of things have value in building team camaraderie in hockey. I do. But for as much shit as Gritty gets from old school fans, these sorts of sideshows are the true intentional distraction served up to the fans by the front office in lieu of building a good team. And yep. 
I think that was taken to be like, well, you think fights are bad. I enjoy fights. I think fights that stem from an emotional battle on the ice where two guys are battling and then it's like, screw it, we're pissed at each other, let's go. Or if one of your one of your players gets cheap shot and you're like, I'm just going to stick up for him. I, I am all for that. I think that's great. I mean, I know he's on the team right now, but like, let's be honest, we all cheered when Wayne Simmons one-punched Tony D'Angelo that one time when he was on the Rangers. Like, come on. That sure was great. did. So I am not a like anti-fighting guy. What I am saying, and this is a distinction I made on this podcast a few times with talking about Gritty, is that Gritty is presented by Gritty haters as Gritty is presented as a distraction to distract us from the fact that the team is bad. And the point I've made is that you're not wrong. However, there is a distinction to be made between the work of the marketing department and the work of hockey operations. The marketing department does use Gritty to try to sell tickets. The thing is, is that the marketing department has no choice to do that because they can't sell the bad hockey team that the hockey ops department has put together because it's bad and no one's going to pay tickets. Very few people are going to willingly be like, I really want to watch a team that's going to finish in the bottom five of the league this year. So they sell the one thing they do have going for them, which is Gritty, the mascot who parents and their kids might actually want to see for a night on a weekend or a weeknight. Now, when it comes to fighting, at least the way it's being done now, the reason why I call it a distraction is because, while I do think there is an element of this where you have the old school guys in the front office are like, we need fighters because we need to protect our kids and we need to instill the right old school hockey mentality and that's the way the game should be. I do think there's that that's part of it. But I also think there is an element of, well, if we're going to stink, we might as well keep the fans happy by throwing Nick Delorier and Zach McEwen out there and signing Rasmus Ristolainen because we have to be the Flyers. And to me, 100. that is the distraction that irritates me more than Gritty because that distraction is actually coming from Hockey Ops to distract you from how bad the team is because yep. they, instead of building a hockey team that can make you cheer because they score a ton of goals and win a ton of games, they are instead putting guys on the ice who can only make a cheer by fighting, which maybe in some sort of nebulous roundout way helps you win games, but it certainly doesn't help you win cups as much as getting players that could score 40 goals do. That is my explanation for why I think this type of fighting in particular and dressing the guys that they are dressing and adding the guys they're adding to the roster, that is more of a hockey ops distraction than gritty mm -hmm. ever will be. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the gritty thing a lot. And, like, if you think the people in charge of in-game presentation, marketing, sales, whatever, are making hockey decisions, like, Chuck Fletcher has made, has thought zero times about gritty in his entire tenure here. The next GM will not think about gritty at all either. Uh, Ron Hextall never once thought about gritty. It's someone else's job who has nothing to do with the people who make the hockey decisions. So, all, and all marketing is a distraction. Yep. Like, yes. oh, fucking Coca-Cola, it tastes great. Trying to distract you from the fact that it will cause diabetes. <laughs> like, no, think about think about it tasting great. Polar bears, how cute, Santa Claus. Like, this is what marketing is. It's a distraction. To the fights last night specifically, I do believe they served a purpose of distracting the fans, but maybe a little differently than you're putting it. The Flyers are beginning a five-game homestand. Remember what happened last time they were home? 
The crowd was chanting, fire Fletcher. They're (laughs) on a 10-game losing streak. The place is a... Not powder keg, because that, like makes it sound like everyone's excited. They're yeah, not. No. They're there to they're there cuz like they happen to have some fucking tickets and yeah, let's chant Fire Fletcher. Cool. The fights last night got the building on their side. You actually like people are then, "Oh my god, they're fighting." Suddenly, they hate the Islanders and not Chuck Fletcher. And That's that can that while it's a distraction, it can also provide some semblance of home ice advantage, you know, like suddenly I, the players are hearing, disagree like, with you. "Hey, your boss, yeah, right. your boss, fucking sucks." Like they're not hearing that; they're hearing "Let's go Flyers" and like punch him in the throat, which is what I always yell when they're in fights. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't disagree with you. What I'm saying is that that's still a distraction, and people claim oh, to be yeah, anno- people claim to be annoyed by quote unquote distractions that distract us from how bad the team is. And the only reason why they don't, why the old school types that yell about that don't yell about fighting being a distraction is because they're the ones being pandered to I with the fight. I don't know if Charlie's talking or not. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all a distraction. I mean, the team fucking stinks. You know, there's, they, they lost 10 in a row. So I, yeah, but Charlie, we can't hear you. Okay, there you are. You you seem to have unfrozen. Um, let's move on to what my first topic was going to be tonight. So we have a lot to get into in this show. We covered a bunch of stuff off the top that I didn't even expect to get into. Uh, a lot of questions surrounding the team, but the one is just the most basic. What the fuck are they? I, I know. I know it's their first win in eleven attempts. But if you were just a general hockey fan channel surfing Hulu last night and watched the Flyers for the first time this season, you wouldn't think they're horrible. Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, of course they're a bottom five team. All they did was play solid hockey. It's not like they look great. Not like they were super desperate taking a ton of chances or anything. They just played pretty solid hockey and beat a decent Islanders team. Now, the Islanders just looked flat. Uh, They didn't play well. but I don't know, like, are they, we've tried to, we, we've gone back and forth on this so much. Like, are, is it the stealth tank? Is it the abs- accidental tank? Are they closer to mediocre than horrible? What the fuck is this team? So I think there are a couple of things going on here. One is the, the Tortorella effect that everyone has talked about forever. He just makes the team look better because... He's a competent NHL coach that makes them perform like competent NHL players. Um, so, you know, that, you know, to the to the untrained eye, you know, a, a hockey team executing a line change, you know, it all looks good. <laughs> Everything looks great. Um, then I think Cam Atkinson, not dead. Line yeah. changes, working. Cool. Goalie, making saves. You love to see it. So, yeah. and then also in this Islanders game, specifically... Kevin Hayes is really on one. Like, I think he's doing a fuck you torts in the way of, like, performing well <laughs> on the third Which line. maybe is the point of this. I'm sure that it, it's uh, precisely the point. I can't imagine We're going to get into a bit be. of that, yeah. But, like, so, yeah, if you're watching that Islanders game and you see him, you're like, wow, he's pretty good at hockey. Look at his stupid mustache. Like, it's there's a lot going on that I think that you could enjoy as a casual hockey fan with no emotional investment in the Philadelphia Flyers between the fights, the doing some scoring, the making some saves. Like they, they don't look like visibly hideous the way that they used to. 
So there's that. Also, they're Visually, still very it's bad. it's better. Visually, it's better, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they stink. They're not good. So there's a couple things I think at play here. Um, number one, and this sort of hints at what Kelly said, which is just the Tortorella effect. I, I think that there's, even though they were losing, and trust me, this is something that no one wants to hear when a team is in a 10-game losing streak, but one of the mantras that you were hearing from players and Tortorella, and it wasn't wrong, was that we're playing better hockey now than we were mm-hmm. when we were winning games at the start of the year and we were that's just true. depending and we were just depending upon Carter Hart to make 45 saves a night and that's true when they were losing they were not getting bulldozed the way they were before and they were just failing at, at inopportune times Hart wasn't playing as well and the special teams went belly up well what happened last night was that Hart played very well again. He looked back to his October, his early his October, early November self, and they got some bounces. There were a couple shots that hit the post, you know, and that you, you win games if you play the structured way that Tortorella has been having to play. You win them sometimes, even if you lack talent. Number two, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people realize, the Islanders, despite their record, are not that good, Mm-mm. or at least yeah. they haven't been that good so far this year. Like, if you look at the 5-on-5 metrics at a, you know, on Evolving Hockey, if you look at expected goal share, the Flyers are 28th, which is real bad. They have generated 43.93% of the expected goals at 5-on-5 so far this year. That's not good. The Islanders are 27th. They've generated 44.97. So, like, yeah, they're better than the Flyers, but they're not that much better. This was a game, this was a winnable game in terms of the way these two teams have actually played in terms of underlying, you know, caliber so far this season. This was not a game where they were totally outmatched. So you throw in the motivational factor that they were trying to end the 10-gamer. You throw in the fact that they were home. You throw in maybe some of that juice that did come from those fights. And this is a game they could win. That said, this team is still bad. Like, they may... The ideal thing for this team, and the and like Carter Hart will probably prevent this from happening, is that they they continue to sort of do what they did over these ten games, in that they don't get bulldozed, they play hard, their underlying numbers are fine-ish, but they just lose because they just don't have enough offensive talent, which they don't. The thing is, they will be getting probably some of it back, so that'll help a bit, but. I think last night was a combination of all those things. It doesn't change the fact that this team lacks talent. Right now, it really lacks talent. But even if they get Cam Atkinson and Travis Konechny back, it's still going to lack talent in comparison to, like, 70% of the league. Like, yeah. that's still going to be a problem. Yeah, I just... It, like, watching them, they... And we've said it multiple times. You know, we've questioned their effort plenty, especially over the last two years. When they lost 10 in a row, it wasn't because they weren't trying. No, no they, they just stink. Yeah. Like, they were playing, like we've said, like, the an opponent breaks out, they get their head up, they're skating out of the zone, and they're looking at five fucking Flyers jerseys. They just can skate by them because they're not that good, you know, the players wearing them. But they're, like, doing a lot of the right stuff. They're just not very good. Uh, and it worries me that they're just going to be mediocre. And it's I, I, it's what we've been saying for so long, but the 10-game losing streak really, oh, okay, good. We really are this bad. Thank God. I mean, um, they could very easily go on another 10-game losing streak. Oh, yeah, yeah they did the last year. It's 100%. true. Yeah. They, I mean, their next three games, it's what? It's 
Toronto, Tampa, uh, no, Tampa, Tampa. No, Tampa mm-hmm. and then um, another really good team, Florida. New and Jersey. And then they play Colorado. Oh, and New Jersey. New Jersey's yeah. the, the team. So, yeah, so those three. Then they play the Caps. They could win that one. Then I think they play Vegas. Like, they're going to get killed. So, yeah. I mean, this Can't team, to, to me, what's going to happen the rest of the year probably is they're going to lose the vast majority of games against the obviously good teams. Like, maybe they'll squeeze out a surprise win or two here and there. But they're going to lose most of those games because they're, they're just going to be out-talented. Against the other bad teams, they're probably going to, you know, split them. Go maybe Yeah, like, maybe lose a few more than they win. But they're going to win some games. Like, with Tortorella, Tortorella is going to, and you're already seeing it, they're playing with structure. They're playing hard. They're not running around like chickens with their heads cut off anymore. And that will allow them to win games a fair amount against bad teams. Now, is that yes. going to keep is that going to keep them from being in the top three? Probably. Yeah, they're probably not going to be in the top three. They're probably going to need some lottery luck. Does that mean they're not? They're going to somehow become like a playoff bubble team? No, no, they're not that. They're they're probably. If I had to guess, I think they're probably going to end somewhere like the five to eight range in terms of pre lottery odds, and they just got to hope they get lucky. I got to tell you, when Carter Hart got shaken up during that Islanders game, like. He's gonna get hurt at some point. Like he's yeah. he's gonna. Well, in in fairness with that, that is possible. That said, Samuel Urson might be real good. I know. I know. He's doing quite well in the minors so far. I'm kind of obsessed with him, to be honest with you. I want him to be really Are good. Are you done with Felix? I'm off of him. Urson's the guy now. No, Urson's the guy. Kelly just needed a Swedish goalie. I needed a Swedish goalie to replace Henrik. It, I thought it was Felix. It's not. It's Sam. False prophet, but yeah. now we found, we got found the real guy. <laughs> um, I just... Yeah, like, I guess, Sam, do you expect a rookie goalie to come in and make a big difference? Oh, like Carter Hart? No, I, I don't. <laughs> well, fair. But I don't, but I'm just saying that, like, I don't think if Carter Hart gets hurt, this is going to be a, like, 2018 situation where they just completely fall apart because yeah. they're throwing Calvin Pickard out there. Like, I think Sam Erson <laughs> can play. Cal! The good old days. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine if they have two goalies who can like play. Not even that they're very good; just they can play. I mean, my my understanding <laughs> of the Sam Erson thing is that the main there, there are two main reasons why he's down right now in fa- like in favor of, of, of Felix Sandstrom. Number one is that Erson missed almost the entirety of last year with injury. Mm-hmm. They want him to play games. The second is linked to that, but for a different reason. They want him to play games, play a lot of games this year. Because they think he could potentially be an NHL starter, and they want to develop him like that. Whereas Ooh. they look at Sandstrom and they're like, "He's a backup. If he this plays, what tw- he is. if he plays twenty games, that's what he can do, and he can be okay in those games." But we want Urson to play because oh. if we j- if we bring him up as a backup and he only plays twenty games this year, then we're not sure he's going to get the reps that he needs to be a potential starter down the road. Imagine if our next NHL GM is good and has two number one goaltenders that he can fuck around with, like to get us actually good players. I mean, that'd be Wouldn't cool. That be in fairness, you know and, and like in fairness, you, what you got to remember is like GM. this is the Flyers' view of Samuel Erson and Kelly Hinkle. I know you do not have the most faith in the Flyers' view of their own players. No, but 
I personally like arson, <laughs> so therefore, in this particular case, their right. analysis is correct. Let okay. me let me tell you how this plays out. <laughs> both goalies, both goalies are really good for one season. They trade one of them to get assets they need. Oh no! That guy goes on to continue to be very good, Bob, and the one they keep gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, because Kelly brought, also brought up another interesting point. We're not getting a good GM. We're no. getting, yeah. We're getting know, Maybe Danny, Danny Briere just happens to be good. Like, there's nah. there's some luck. You know, Paul Holmgren was good for the first half of his tenure. Um, I'll take a few playoff runs before the fucking wheels fall off again. I mean, uh, he, can't be be, nice. he can't be worse, so. Yeah, what's he going to be, worse? There's that. <laughs> Here's a first-round pick for Rasmus Ristolainen and 25 million bucks. <laughs> Can't be worse. Can't be worse. Uh, but how much longer do you think the current GM has? Like, what do you think this leash is? Well, so so you put this in here because there was a rumor from NHL Rumors Daily. I didn't a, a, see a, a, that an, tweet. An, an, an account that everyone seems to follow. I... That's because Some, they post rumors daily, Chuck. Well, so. they do. Some look. Sometimes they have no, good that stuff. Bullshit. Other yeah. times they don't. You know. Look, I, I hold to what I said in the last podcast. Could they fire Fletcher because they want someone to like you know stick their head on a spike and then you know like just to basically be like, see, we did something. Yeah, yeah, they could do that. It, it's not out of the realm possibility. The, the problem is that it's not going bad enough for them to feel the urge to do that. Because of the injuries give him a little bit of a cushion. And also, like, I mean, until the 10-game losing streak, they weren't that bad. Like, they, that's the thing. Like, they're not bottom of the league bad. Yeah, they're 8-15. They're and 15. They're Yeah. And, and so I feel like I was kind of hoping that – once we got to this point of the season, like close to Christmas, that things would be such a disaster that they would have to do something. And regrettably, I don't think things are enough of a disaster for Dave Scott to feel like he needs to parade a body out in front of the fans. Like it's just not and there yet. My thing is, while I would love to have that body paraded because fuck him, he's horrible. Uh, he's not the only problem. The people above him continue to be an issue as well. Right. Uh, and we're going to get into some of that on the other side. We're going to take a break here real quick. Uh, I want to talk about Kevin Hayes and Tortorella, that whole situation. Uh, what I believe to potentially have been Chuck Fletcher's best move as Flyers GM. <laughs> and then uh, some other rumor stuff that's been going around. So stay tuned through this commercial and then we'll get to all that. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back, fam. Uh, there's a few rumors and stuff floating around, uh, or I guess just things that kind of made people go, huh? Uh, that we're going to get into in a few minutes. But I think the thing we I want to start with is uh, Kevin Hayes. And what's been going on with him and John Tortorella? And, you know, I, I got a, an interesting question from Adam Bortz, who's a regular in, uh, of the pod. The, in the post games. And he follows all of us on Twitter. He's a good guy. And he asked if Tortorella's pulling some sort of, uh, like, a Ruzioni, basically. Uh, Herb Brooks style with, with Kevin Hayes. And... I thought about it, and obviously, you know, the coach, he's hes one of these guys who plays mind games with his players, and he motivates different guys different ways, and he's going to have someone that he, he just needles, that he picks on maybe a little bit, and when you look at this lineup, there's only so many established NHL guys. Who the fuck else could it be? Yeah. Like, Kevin Hayes is one of the leaders in this locker room. People would, you know, in the, like, Aruzioni uh, sort of uh, way of thinking, like, rally around that. And I, I can kind of see that. Now, there's different layers to the motivation. I don't think it's like a one-for-one one analogy. But what do you think about the way John Tortorella has spoken of Kevin Hayes, saying, you know, he likes Noah Cates better at center because he's better <laughs> defensively, stuff like that? I mean, it seems to be working, no? Yeah, that's the... He's got eight goals, 16 assists, 24 points. All three numbers are the most on the team. Yeah. It is legitimately funny that <laughs> Kevin Hayes is having easily the best offensive start of his NHL career playing for a coach who seems to be critical of him or tossing him backhanded compliments every single time he talks to him publicly, which in my understanding, is the same thing he's hearing privately. Now, do I think that this is all, like, him playing mind games with Kevin Hayes? No. I don't think this is just, like, you know, he's a guy we have to ride or something like that. Because, and the reason why I don't think it's just that is because I've heard for a couple years now that multiple coaches have been frustrated with Hayes and frustrated with the example that he sets on the ice despite the fact that he's a leader. And uh, you can see it. Like yeah, the yeah. way pl people get frustrated with him, you watch him play, you can see what would frustrate a coach. Yes. So to me, like this is an example of like Elaine Vigno tried one way. He had a pre-existing relationship obviously with Hayes. That didn't really work. Mike Yo tried another way. That didn't really work either. Tortorella is coming in to provide a fresh approach, which is much more combative and direct than either of those two guys are willing to do. And I think it's because there was an organizational agreement that Kevin Hayes needed to be, I hate to use the word tame because it strikes me as like they're animals and that stuff, but like he at least needed to be like reined in and 
He's having a little too much fun. Yeah, and it's just like, you gotta play with more structure, dude. You can't just be freelancing the whole game and extending your shifts an extra 10 seconds because you feel like it and stuff like that. In addition to the fact, and I made this point in the offseason, like, you can't have these many bad habits and also be a team leader. Because Kevin Hayes really wants to be a team leader, and he wants... I mean, look, and I'm not saying this is disingenuous. Kevin Hayes was 100% sincere when last year we were like, Kevin, why in the hell, after that third procedure, did you not say, I'm taking the rest of this year off, it's a lost year, I'll come back next year at full health? And Kevin Hayes' answer was essentially, honestly, I'm the highest paid player on this team right now who's active, and... I feel like I owe it to my teammates to play rather than just sit back and cash a check. And that wasn't just lip service. That was sincere and that was honest. I do not think Kevin Hayes is a bad guy. However, there is a disconnect between wanting to be like the rah-rah leader who people look to in the room and then going on the ice and doing all the things that the coaches tell you not to do. And I think what Tortorella is trying to do here is he's trying to be like, and I said this in the summer, I said this is what Tortorella was going to do. He's going to be like, if you want to be that guy for this team, I need more from you on the ice. Are you telling me there's actually some merit to leading by example? <laughs> hmm. I thought that made you a bad leader if you just go out and do your job at an extremely high level every single day for a decade. I thought that meant you were a bad leader. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you're I supposed to, you're supposed to be more like friends with the homies in the locker <laughs> I just, room. You know, That's in all honesty, I say. in all honesty, I think that crew more wanted like everybody to be like Wayne Simmons, who was just yeah. like, "You're fucking up, stop fucking up," which was more or less like Wayne Simmons' leadership style. Which, like, hey, props to you, Wayne Train. Yeah, I don't have an issue and with that gonna, necessarily. Who's gonna say shit to Wayne Simmons? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, Kevin Hayes right, just sir. Kevin Hayes just wants to be everybody's friend. Yes. And be a leader in that way, which is great. But it's like you can't be blowing coverages as often as he does and have yeah. that sort of role. And I think that Tortorella is trying to – that's why he's pushing Hayes so much. And I look, I said this on the last show that right now it doesn't seem like Tortorella is in love with Kevin Hayes' all-around game. However, it would not shock me if by game 70, like, they're buddies. Like, this happens with Torts. Torts pushes guys, he pushes guys, they hate him, and then when it clicks, it's like, this guy's the friggin' man. No, and I liked your I liked your article with the Torts Index, where you were giving examples, like, this is the thing Torts has said about X player, and it's like, okay, he likes this guy. And it's like, okay, he said this mean thing, and then two weeks later, that guy did the thing he wanted to do, so he said the nice thing, and now he uses him on the second line every night. Mm -hmm. Like... Uh, it's, it, you can win him over. I will say, like, with Kevin Hayes, I understand sometimes, like, there's a, a little bit of that Jeff Carter, maybe it doesn't look like he's trying, um, mm. and so maybe it frustrates people. But outside of, you know, suffering a tragedy and then being hurt, hasn't he been productive the entire time he's been here? I mean, yeah, yeah he's been good. I guess the point is that, as Charlie said, he's not... He's not doing all of the things on the ice. Well, like, he's doing the Voracek. Well, here's the thing about him doing all of the things. And maybe I'm just a, a, a mark for Kevin Hayes, and I, I protect him uh, more than I should. But 
he's got 24 points in what, 22, 23 games. Mm -hmm. That's well above what he's actually capable of when he's playing his complete game. This team has nobody who can score, especially now with like TK out and all like all the injuries. He's maybe got to shirk a little bit of the defensive duties so he can add some offense, no? I mean, I'm always in favor of that. And I actually don't have any issue with Kevin Hayes as a player, but I also don't have any issue with the way Tortorella is hand- handling him. Because No, I don't have an issue. Like, I he can do whatever he wants. I'm just, you know. I, I mean, I, I, I do think that sometimes it is a little bit like, like you said, like he can't get mad at like Zach McEwen for blowing yeah. the coverage. Like he can't get mad. He can't get that mad at Noah Cates. He's like four years old. Like if he's going to get mad at somebody for not playing a complete hockey game, it's got to be the actual NHL player who's on a giant contract. Yeah, and there's only one of them playing right now. We talked about the example of benching Hayes and Konechny in the, I think right. the San Jose game. And it's like, yeah, the whole team's playing like shit, but you're our only two actually good players. Yeah. So I'm holding you accountable for all 20 guys. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'm going to go back to the very first media availability that we had with John Tortorella. It was on a Zoom call in the summer after he got hired. It was literally in, like, his living room, if you remember. Yeah. And John Tortorella, that day, told us exactly what he was going to do with Kevin Hayes. Like, none of this is new. I'm going to read the quotes. And it was, with Hayes, Kevin was one of my first calls today. When I got back from Philly, he was one of my first calls. I'm trying to meet with him. I hear great things about the type of person he is. He's very likable. He said, I'm not sure you asked the question where you try to pick out one player. Maybe I fibbed a little. I'm really interested in talking to Kevin. Kevin is one I'm anxious to work with because I think there's more there. I think he's a huge piece of the puzzle up the middle for this organization. He's one I'm going to try to talk with right away. I'm going to be interested in what he has to say. I hear he's a tremendous guy. I want to try to help him because if I can help him and make him understand, we're going to try to get him to another level. What does he do for the Flyers up the middle of the ice? I've watched from afar, and there's more there. It's my responsibility to try to get that out of him. Like, he told us exactly what he was going to do. And I will say, like, having watched him play for the last couple of years up close, basically every game he's played as a Flyer, when you look at his numbers at the end of the year, you go, really? That's it? Because mm-hmm. he seems to, like like we say about Zach McEwen, well, when he's on the ice, shit happens. Uh, but, like, more in a positive way with Kevin Hayes, it's like, oh, wow, he's really like a 40, 50-point guy? He seems seems like he should be a 60, 70-point guy, you know? Like, it's you just get that. Yeah. So I fully understand Tortorella looking at him and going, there's more there. Because, yeah, there definitely could be. I just... Like, right now, I'm hearing a lot of Kevin Hayes' criticism, and not just from the coach. The coach is going to—he's doing his thing. I just—I'm watching this guy play. I'm like, he's, he's one of their only good players. And I think that's, uh, you he's know— He's not that's, a 1C. I don't care how, mo- I don't no, care how he, much he makes. No. He's, he's not, not as good. And I do think that's part of the reason why he got moved to wing, is because if, if Tortorella— like I, I think Tortorella did legitimately consider scratching Kevin Hayes. I think he thought about it because he was frustrated. He was that frustrated with his defensive play. But he looked at it, and he's like— I am scratching Kevin Hayes, the center, but I can't scratch Kevin Hayes, the offensive weapon. (laughs) So I'm just going to move him to wing where I don't have to deal with Kevin Hayes, the center for a while. I think that was honestly a big part of it. I respect it. Can we, for a moment, because we're talking, I mean, it's Kevin Hayes, like the Kevin Hayes Tortorella thing. This is going to be a storyline 
throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but some of Torts' other interactions and, I mean, let's just, the toilet seat. The thing. toilet seat. Like, the toilet he's seat. not, he's not calling Morgan Frost, like, something you shit in. That wasn't his intention, but when you're talking about things that go up and down. There are other things. You could have picked literally anything else. (laughs) Window, elevator. And not given people the visual of taking a shit. (laughs) Well, it's, it's also, not only that, it's actually a bad metaphor, as someone pointed out to me, because it's like, when the toilet seat is up, that means you're shitting. No, is it, doesn't it, wait, doesn't it mean you're peeing? Or, oh, or one of the two. I don't you're, know You're, you're releasing your some work. type of, of thing. And yeah. presumably when a player is up, that's usually a good thing. But in this analogy, it's actually a bad thing. Uh, who knows? It doesn't actually, it's a bad analogy. And the funny thing <laughs> is. Of all the things he could have said. He's, he's done it <laughs> he's, before. I was going to say, he said this about someone in Columbus, right? Yeah, Matt Calvert. He said it about ah. him. So he clearly likes this one. I don't know why, because not only is it weird funny. and kind of disgusting, it also doesn't actually make a lot of sense when you think about like, it. Whether he means it to be or not, it's an insult. Yeah, like, yeah. If he doesn't mean it to be, it still is. Like no one thinks, oh, I love the toilet. Like no one <laughs> thinks of a toilet in a positive light. It's what you shit in. Anyway, Morgan Frost, when are the when are these ups? When are yeah, where are ups? the ups? I've been waiting for them. <laughs> you and me have been waiting a long time for yeah. these ups. There, there are flashes still, but I mean, look, I so far like this every year, now has, and then he, he puck handles and much. doesn't fuck up. Yeah, like, like he had he had one play in uh, in the game on what's today? Today's Wednesday, so Tuesday night's game, um, where he sort of like dangled around Noah Dobson and got off a good quality chance. And I was like, oh, made, that was a nifty shot. Yeah. yeah, there's that guy. Why don't we see him more? Yeah, do that but all like, the time. Because everyone, like, they're all NHL players. Yeah, you're Every now and then someone makes a play. Like, uh, I saw Todd Fedorik score a goal, you know? <laughs> Didn't he get an overtime playoff winner in that Ottawa series? Like, I get, uh, I get big-time uh, Boyd Kane vibes from Morgan Frost in that he will go to the AHL and he will be a perennial AHL all-star, outstanding in that league. And he will be called up periodically when someone gets hurt, and he will not really do anything. Like, he is that guy. He's right on the bubble, and he's just not doing it in the NHL. Other than this being, um, I don't know, a weird thing to say about a guy. I'm going to use it all the time now. It's just odd. It's very has weird. Has Tortorella been, like, overly rude or no. inappropriate no i feel like i'm suddenly seeing this narrative um coming from some members of the media that he's putting on like a fucking clown show yeah, and i haven't uh... now listen i've been not as plugged in as i normally am for like the last two three weeks so maybe i'm missing some things uh, yeah. As I get myself reacquainted with this team, but uh, I don't get it. So there was the one day there was that the day in Columbus left. where he just bounced. Yes, he bounced, and that we talked about it. We've Shouldn't said multiple that. times when you're all about ac- accountability, you have to have some too. Otherwise, you're a fucking hypocrite, and that message gets lost. And if this yeah. became a weekly thing, that would be something to worry about. But we said at the time. What if he had to take a shit? 
Or what if his wife was like, hey, I, I got a flat tire. Like, literally, yeah. I'm willing to give him a pass one time, you know? Yeah. Uh, what What else has happened? So the last thing that happened, and I was not on this trip. This was the uh, the one gamer in um, in New York that said when they lost the tenth game, and basically what happened was they lost the tenth game. Um, Olivia Ryan or Gianna Han from the Enquirer were up there. Um, they asked questions about the game and about what happened. The early questions he answered decently. The later questions he basically said, you can write what you want. I'm not going to give you anything more. And they didn't take that to be the most professional way for John Tortorella to respond to a 10 game losing streak. There were tweets made and I'm guessing that's where most of us. Then I think there was a column from Marcus Hayes, who is a columnist yeah, for the Enquirer. That's what I read this morning. Yeah, was the Marcus Hayes column. Yeah, so so that's where I believe the majority of this is coming from. Um, at least you know I haven't been involved in this back and forth. Um, I personally haven't. And Grant, I might I maybe I'm gonna be speaking differently if I was in Columbus. And I as I've said on the show, I didn't agree with him bailing on the media. I did not think that was right. I thought it was unfair to the inquiry writers who were being paid by their company to go out there in part to get yeah. quotes, and then he just decided not to show. I thought that was wrong. And, you know, that was addressed with Flyers PR because that isn't that the coach's responsibility is to talk to the media, even if he wants to give one word answers. But for me personally, I don't mind when Tortorella gives one-word answers, gives short answers, because to me, then that's the story. Yes. that, that like, That's my his, view of it. His attitude and body language and demeanor are as important as the actual words. I know everyone loves, and I'm not calling any individual writer out. You all have jobs to do, and I don't fucking do it. I don't want to do it, because it's work I don't care to do. So good, good job. Um, but the words you put in quotation marks like aren't always as important as the way he says something or how he reacts just like you know if he puts his fucking you know head in his hands or if he gets unsettled or he's excited to answer something like it, it's not just the words so obviously like bill i'm coming to this from an outside perspective it's not my job to collect quotes and write a story around them so obviously my opinion means little here. However, um, the the interaction in question was recorded, as most of them are. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, he answered their first two questions pretty thoroughly and in his normal, like, he doesn't speak to people like an asshole. Like, he speaks to people like a, like a decent human being speaks to people normally. And he was speaking to them, I found, in a very professional, fine way. Then they get to the questions asking specifically about the play. And like he's done a lot during this season, he essentially was like, I'm not going to criticize my players. Like, I'm not going to do it. You can write what you want. And like, I can understand being like, well, fuck, I wanted something there because I was going to write a story around it. But the thing is, like, he owes you an answer. He doesn't owe you the answer that you want him to give you. 
and we've seen lots of writers in this town, again, not to call anyone out specifically, and the thing, yeah. continue asking, you know, they want, they have their article written already, yes. basically, and they're trying to get the coach to say the words they need to fit that pre-written article. And to be quite honest, if it had been someone like Carcitti or Hayes who made That's a stink about this, about, I know, Sandy. if they had made a stink about this on Twitter, <laughs> I probably would have like dunked on them for being like unprofessional babies. But like, I think these two women are doing very well. Like, I think they write great articles. They seem to really understand the game. They do a great job. They present themselves well in every press conference that I've seen them in. Like, I don't want to shit on them because I think they're doing a good job. Generally. I do think in this case, they're a bit off base. And like, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that I, really respect like Allison Luke and Sarah Baker who interacted with Tortorella a lot in their previous careers as reporters and have nothing but nice things to say about him. Like, I, I don't That's, think this is a, the story that you want it to be. And while he can sometimes give shitty answers or not give the thorough answer that maybe you're hoping for, his candor and elaborate, like, yes. explanations are often way better than ev- anything yes. we've had in years. Yes. Like, like I, I, I don't yeah. watch every press conference. Yeah. The, you know? no, they're, I'm doing the post game a lot of the time. They're very good. I, I think in general. And to the point where I was able to write a story this week that was yeah. essentially the last comment that Tortorella has given over the past month on essentially every single player on the team and they're not just canned bullshit. They're actually, like, insightful views into how he views them at the current moment. Yeah. And that's not something that I've gotten for pretty much... I mean, like, A.V. was fine. I had a good relationship with A.V. A.V. gave good stuff. Dave Haxtell gave you nothing. Literally nothing. And Mike Yo, while I love covering Mike Yo, Mike Yo was, understandably, concerned with ruffling feathers. He was an interim coach. He didn't have the ability to be like, I'm ticked off at this particular guy. When he would get angry at the team, he would get angry at the team. He wouldn't get angry at a player, at least publicly. John Tortorella, on the other hand, will tell you exactly how he's feeling about Kevin Hayes and exactly how he's feeling about Rasmus Ristolein and Travis Sandheim. And that is, to me, my... I come at this differently, and this is this is a distinction, not in terms of necessarily, just in terms of approach to covering the team. I know my approach. You're a gay man. I know my approach is different. Mm-hmm. My approach, I'm a reporter in a sense, because I'm just expected by the athletic to do everything. But at my core, the way I cover the team is as someone who's trying to find out stuff. Mm-hmm. And not that's not necessarily in terms of breaking news, but I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the deal with this player? Why is he playing well? Why is he playing poorly? Why is he not playing? Whatever. And that's why I dive so much into analytics, because I find analytics to be a tool to understand how guys are actually playing. And to me, working with someone like Taurus is I guess we do work with each other we're not on the same team but we're working in a in a group we interact with each other on a near daily basis his methods actually help me do my job better than coaches who are more urbane 
in terms of their mm-hmm. dealings with the media. Like, I'll take Tortorella's approach over Mike Yo's approach, even though Mike Yo is a hell of a lot nicer to me than John Tortorella is. And that's nothing to be said about Mike Yo. It's just that John Tortorella gives me more stuff, more of the kind of stuff that I can use in the type of stories that I like to write. Now, well, that's, that's but that's me. You know, for for someone like Gianna and someone like Olivia who came up in a more traditional journalism background, I mean, I came up as a blogger. So this is the way I'm used to covering a team. For them, having a bit of a combative relationship where sometimes Tortorella just loses his temper and doesn't give you shit, that probably plays differently because it doesn't fit the way that they want to cover the team. And I think it's fair for them to be frustrated that he's he's making it tougher for them to cover the team they want to cover, the way that they want to cover it. For me personally, his way does not make it tougher for me to cover the team the way I want to cover it. It actually makes it easier. Well, I mean, yeah, they can be frustrated with the fact that he is not making their job go the way they want it to. But that's different than saying he's doing something wrong because he's not doing the thing I want him to do. And that's where I think they kind of crossed the line to suggest that there was some some kind of like, I don't know, like he he didn't do anything. He gave them an answer they didn't like. It's not like he like ignored them. Like they asked a question and he was like, mm, like fuck or like fuck off, I'm not answering you. Like he said, I'm not going to criticize my team. I'm not going to talk about that. You guys can write what you want to write. Okay, cool. Like, you know what? That's an answer. You could write something about that. About the fact that he's not going to shit on his team during a 10-game a losing streak. Yeah, That's and, a story. yeah, and if you're really ticked off, I'd then write something of like, I, I guess the reason why this, this doesn't hurt me as much as it hurts them is because I am this weird, and this again, this is what The Athletic wants me to do. This is that The Athletic wants me to be this weird combination of reporter, columnist, and analyst. They want me to do everything. So That's why you're the best in the biz, but, but But my point is that if Tortorella throws out you know answers like that, I can just write a column on the game. Whereas they don't have that flexibility, they yeah. their job is to write a game story. No, and the Inquirer has another column. Yes, you know yes. he can write a column. Yes, and that's that's where I came at it with this because I didn't realize uh, everything that went into this situation. But I read the Marcus Hayes column this morning, and I've been reading Marcus Hayes for a long time since I was a little kid. I'm a fan of Marcus Hayes. Marcus and I have done uh, overlap shows together on WIP. I enjoy Marcus Hayes, find him very entertaining. I just thought his uh, his column was off base in the idea that Torts is being unprofessional, no. and that's shielding Chuck Fletcher and the management from putting together a shit team because everyone's talking about John Tortorella and not the shit team. So, I I don't get that impression yeah, at all. Everybody's everyone talking about I the talk shit team. To, <laughs> everyone I've talked to talks about the shit team. No, like, I, some I, people are talking about John Tortorella, but I, not me. I, I mean, do, now we are. But I do like, think there's some element of that because there was one. There was one game. I mean, I do think that sometimes he will say something. D- 
yes, he does it on purpose. Yeah. To to put the spotlight on him and not to shield Chuck Fletcher, but to shield the players. Yes, exactly. Like he's protecting yes. the team. If they play an especially shitty hockey game, or actually they try their damnedest and lose anyway, he tends to try to put the spotlight on himself rather than having people shit on the guys that he knows are trying their best but just can't win a hockey game because they suck. Like, he's shielding the team. He's not shielding Chuck Fletcher. John Torrella knows that Chuck Fletcher sucks at his job. He's yeah, he's, he's very aware. aware. He knows. I mean, like, he the scratching of Rasmus Ristolainen was a, to I'm me, sure a message to the, the front office. You know? Yeah, like, he knows. And, and, All right. and that is one thing about Fletcher, about Fletcher, about Tortorella's history with regards to these, like, the blow-ups. And we have not yet had a blow-up with a Philadelphia Flyers media member, whether it's a beat writer or whether it's we one of the or one of the occasionals. Um, but most of the blow-ups that he's had with media members have come about as a result of Tortorella defending one of his players. Like, the big one that gets cited, the one when, that he had with uh, with Larry Brooks with the, with the New York Post, the one where he basically said, like, Larry, have you ever gotten into a fight? And it very much sounded like he was literally <laughs> challenging Larry Brooks to a fight. And then he said, you're the guy who got beat up in, in, in grade school or whatever. That was inspired by, I think it was, like, Wade Redden fought somebody, like, he fought somebody, like, in retribution for, like, one of the kids on the team getting cheap shot it. And Larry Brooks wrote a column making fun of Wade Redden because Wade Redden was, like, down in the AHL at the time or something. Like, look at this, like, look at this dope fighting in the AHL. And Tortorella blew up at him because he was defending, he felt like he was defending Wade Redden. And, like... He should have taken a swing at him. Like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> try, try going out there. I dare you. I, that fucking oh, but like that was that it, pisses me it, off. it wasn't yeah, it wasn't a yeah him. like it wasn't a like i'm just annoyed with a question it was a i think you treated my player unfairly so screw you dude that's yeah, where it yeah. comes from and and like some players may hate him anyway because they may think it's like you know posturing or like oh yeah you say all the shitty things to me behind closed doors and then you try to act like you're my like protector in the media like fuck you dude but i do think from tort's standpoint it's sincere I think Torts, even the players who hate him, I think Torts sincerely has affection for them. It's just he has a weird way of showing it. I think he likes them it. the best. He just has a weird probably. way of showing it. <laughs> the ones who hate him are probably his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, all right. So we've been at this a little bit, and we haven't got to the the thing that I got the most questions about during last night's postgame. Okay. Um, the Sarah Volley on the Nasty Knuckles podcast mm. kind of alluded to the idea that perhaps – the Flyers could be for sale. Uh, but the way I listened to it, and I listened to the clip uh, of him saying this, it sounded more like he's heard from people who would be interested in buying them. No shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I would be interested in buying he them. He just assumes. Talk to me about it? Yeah, like he just kind of assumes, yeah, Comcast Spectacore is a business. They're in the business of making money, and sports franchises are worth a shit ton of money, so they'd probably listen. But there wasn't. There wasn't any there there. No. You know, other than maybe he knows some people that want to buy the Flyers, but I want to buy the Flyers. I'm exactly. just, you know, not a billionaire. Yeah, it, it didn't... There are a lot of times when people who fans think of as super connected, someone like Frank Saravalli is obviously 
a very connected guy, particularly with the Flyers organization. They hear them say something speculative. The same kind of shit that we do on this show. Mm -hmm. But because of who he is, they treat it like a rumor, like a thing that he heard that he's reporting on. And that, I don't think, I don't think that's what that was. I think he was, like you said, he was just saying, yeah, all they need is a, all you need is a billionaire and a bunch of other guys who want to buy them and then you can buy the team. Like, yes, that is what you would need to buy the team, but like, they're not for sale. In fairness, and this is where things get sketchy with regard, particularly with regards to the, the national guys, is that sometimes national guys speculate but the speculation is informed speculation where sure. like they speculate because they heard from somebody this is going to happen and they want to get they want to get in front of it now other times the speculation really is just speculation and the thing is is that you never really know which is which now in this particular case I have not dug into this over the last couple of months. I have primarily been focused on covering the on-ice hockey. My understanding over the summer was that Comcast is not looking to sell. Now, I, now that this is coming out, like I will probably dig into this over the next couple of weeks and see if there's anything to it, if, you know, if there could be something. But it's not been my primary focus. I've been covering the Flyers. Um, and by the Flyers, I mean, generally speaking, like the day-to-day operations of the hockey ops and hockey team. The on-ice hockey Yes, exactly. That's, I, now, 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 I'd be very... Go ahead. Yeah, yep. I'll just keep going. Yeah, to me, this is like people, particularly people on social media, so desperately want changes that the minute they hear anything that hints that there might be, they lose their goddamn minds in excitement that, oh my God, Comcast might sell. Now, look, I'll say the same thing with Fletcher. Is it possible they fire Chuck Fletcher midseason? Sure. Is it possible that Comcast changes their mind and decides they want to sell because they're just sick of all this shit? Sure, it's possible. The reason, the primary reason why I don't think they're going to, at least not in the, like, immediate future, is that, like, they've just, they've dumped so much money into the FARC. Like, They've dumped so much money into it, and it doesn't really make business sense to dump that much money into the home of the team and then just sell it. Like, I just, to me, it's like, you- Could it raise the value, though? Like, since the the, the arena and the team are so intrinsically, like, uh, connected- would it raise the overall sale value? Like, I mean, you know, maybe your house before you fucking sell it. Maybe I guess it's possible, right. but to me, this this struck me as like a a forward thinking investment as to like when this when this team turns it around, man, we're gonna make bank because like the what what they're doing, and I know they're we getting all star game. I, yet? I, I know What's they're well. That's probably gonna happen when it's what it's the the year we're gonna get twenty twenty six. Yeah, the year we're gonna yeah. get all the all star games in Philly. Um. To me, like, a lot of the changes they've made, like, adding in all these, like, luxury restaurant options and all this shit, like, this is very clearly intended for when the team gets good and it becomes a big deal to entertain your clients at these games for rich people. And that strikes me as a, like, when this team gets good, we're going to make friggin' bank because they're going to spend a hundred, you know, a hundred dollars on a steak and they're going to have a group of eight people. We're going to make fucking tons and tons of money when this team gets good. I don't think they're ready to pull the plug yet. Now, could there be a restructuring? Yeah, maybe. 
but I don't think they're ready to sell. Now, As, for, I mean, look, maybe Frank Scott got info that I have. I don't have. As I've said, I haven't been possible. digging. I haven't been digging into this because I've been focused on the team. Frank's a national guy. He can focus on this bigger picture sh- stuff. He doesn't have to cover a team on a daily basis like I do. But I haven't heard anything that leads me to change my what I did actually hear the last time I checked into this, which was over the summer, and I didn't think there was anything to it. That's like the way it was presented to me from some post game listeners last night was Frank Saravalli said the Flyers are for sale. And then I listened to it and I was like, that's not what he said. So I just, I, you know, get it out, let you and Kelly also listen to it, and maybe you interpreted it differently. It doesn't feel like that's what happened. I will say, on top of one more thing, and then we can move on from this, like the, the revamp, the renovation of the Wells Fargo Center. Also a little bit of um, getting ahead of the -the state-of-the-art brand-new facility that might be sharing a city with them very soon. Uh, And by very soon, I mean, like, you know, within the decade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, you know. um, Yeah, you're going to have competition for a lot of arena events that you haven't had in years. You want the facility that people actually want to go to, not the old shitty. Like, you don't want to be the spectrum to the center. You know, yeah, it, you want to be the new cool place, yeah, even yeah. though you're 30 years old. I mean, to me, like if Comcast were to sell, it wouldn't it, like it's not out of the real possibility to me that Comcast eventually gets fed up with this. But like, I just I don't think they're there yet because like this is the first year that they're like they're probably I mean, I guess like the pandemic, but everybody lost money in the pandemic. This is the yeah. first year where like attendance actual paid attendance not like in the season attendance but actual paid attendance is legitimately poor and are they going to give up on them after one bad year of attendance like i know the fans look at it as like we've been pathetic for a decade fuck comcast well yeah the team maybe was underwhelming for a decade they were still selling out yeah, until they very were selling recently. out selling jerseys yeah yeah like everyone else is like 10 years into this, we're fed up with this shit. I think Comcast has quite a few more years before they get fed up with actually not making money. And, and that it's... and that might dovetail with the Sixers potentially leaving and having their own arena. And then they might look at it and say, hey, the Farg isn't as much of a moneymaker as it used to be. We're not getting the rent for the Sixers. We're going to have to compete with them for concerts and events. And the Flyers, eight years later, still suck. Maybe haven't been to a conference yeah, final. Maybe yeah. we should cut bait. But, like, I don't think that's going to happen until they go through a long period of the team stinking and then having, like, to worry about competition as well. I think they want this to work. All right. Um, that's just my general little, view of the situation. Yeah. We've been at this a little while. I have to ask, I think, the most important question of the show. And I ask this without a hint of sarcasm. Considering what it cost, which is nothing because he was a waiver claim, is acquiring Lucas Sedlak the best move <laughs> Chuck Fletcher has made in his tenure here? Quite possibly. Although you like have for, to admit. For considering like what you give up in trades, what you give up in contract signings, um, this is pretty good. Pretty savvy, though, to <laughs> to get rid of Justin Braun for a thing and then bring him back again. Like That was a I little... Guess. Yeah, it, it actually it wasn't a bad move. It was just really funny, and it's like you're bringing back the entire defense core of an awful Hilarious. team. Like that of was a team that was fucking hard. That was real, real funny. 
Um, Sedlak has been good. Like, I, I think good. to me, like, the thing with Sedlak right now is that I've really liked him. He's actually the one guy on this team with good fancy stats, which is kind of cool. Um, and he, he, to me, is, at his core, a really good fourth liner on a good team. That is what he is. The problem is to the core. Baby. The problem is on this team right now, especially he is a second line. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like Lucas said, like being this good in comparison, to everyone else doesn't say as much about Lucas said, as it says about the rest of the team. I would like, I get what you're saying. And ultimately he's pro he's like, yeah, probably a bottom of the lineup guy. He's been legitimately good no, though. He's been good. It's not like it's not like he's only looked good because everyone else out there has their skates on the wrong fucking feet. Like No, he's been good. He's actually looked no, pretty good. He's made plays. I, I've heard people describe him as Nicholas Albe Cubell without all the dumb stuff. And I think there's oh. a lot of truth to that. I can see that. Except Sedlak can also play was- center. The dumb stuff was fun, though. It, it was fun until he took <laughs> penalties every game. And yeah. then me- yeah, every single game. Remember that one time in the in the pandemic? Not not the good year when he was good. The year after when everybody sucked. When it took him like thirty seconds to realize that the rest of his linemates had jumped on the ice for a change. So the Flyers had essentially a five on four because there were only two forwards on the ice because he just sat there. Oh God! This remember when he dented there. the Stanley Cup? <laughs> he dented the Stanley Cup. He did. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Like, imagine that you get to fun. say that forever. Yeah, you're the guy. I fucked yeah. up the cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's cool. Um, all right, do we have anything else? Are we done? Oh, no, Kelly, I need you to defend. I need you to talk about Girl Scout cookies for 30 seconds. What the fuck? What's your problem with Thin Mints? They're not good. I have, oh, come okay, on. I have. They're plenty good. They're not the best Girl Scout cookies by any means. I, I have a fundamental, a fundamental dislike of mint and chocolate together. Why are you putting toothpaste really? on my Oreos? I don't need the mint with the chocolate. Therefore, Thin Mints are not for me. They are also, as you said, not nearly the best Girl Scout cookies. And people act like when they come out that like their lives have improved in some like meaningful way because they can eat two sleeves of Thin Mints a night. Like they're not good. I wouldn't say they're bad though. Like the chocolate, the chocolate with the peanut butter inside are the best. I also love peanut butter sandwiches. They're amazing. Oh, you're fucked. As a peanut butter bitch, I'm telling you that the Dosey Dos are the the better peanut butter. I don't even know what a Dosey Dough is. Is that a Samoan and they renamed it? No, they're the ones that are like a little oatmeal sandwich cookie with the peanut butter on the inside. Oh, those are good. Yeah, they're good. Those are the ones. They're good. I don't know what my favorite, what my favorite Girl Scout Scout cookie cookie chocolate is very waxy. So the tag-alongs with the chocolate on the outside, it's just not good chocolate. So it's like, eh. I I really dig. I don't think this is my favorite, but I will say the new one that they just introduced that's like French toast with icing, that is fucking good. I didn't even know about that one. That's real good. I forget what it's called, but it's like French toast, but there's icing on it. It's it's, it's tasty. Hello. The s'mores ones were a letdown, by the way. Yeah, they could they could have been better. They should they have been, been better. better. Mm-hmm. I don't love marshmallow to begin with. So. That's fair. I love s'mores, so I was Me like, too. Oh, "Fuck God, yeah!" I love but they s'more. were like, "Eh, they're okay." Like I don't think they're bad, love, but they they could have been a lot better. I introduced last time my friends and I went camping. I introduced them to why use a Hershey bar when there's Reese's cups. Yes, and I just I bar- I brought a whole like. Uh, like variety bag of Halloween candy, and we made s'mores. What with a all fucking hero the, you are! All of the different candies, and like, why, why, why just no. settle on uh, plain Hershey? It's good, 
But come on, worst There's option so much candy. given. Yes, worst option given all of the other options. Like you can get like a very bougie chocolate bar. Sorry. Yes, we'll we'll wrap. No, I, <laughs> you got Kelly talking Listen, about, I'm talking about chocolate bars for an, an hour. I'll go. I'll go another hour. You're the one who has to edit this and then go to sleep. Oh, yeah, like I'm going to be up until tomorrow morning. So you know. Yeah, all right. You make a fair point. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search uh, Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, baby. The post games have made a comeback. Kelly's checking out the competition is always great as a pregame snack, uh, along with some s'mores, maybe. Fly Purbly. I've been told it's a good show. Obviously, BSH Radio, the flagship, all there, right on your podcast feed for you. Just... Follow Broad Street Hockey. All right, that'll do it for us, for Kelly, for Charlie. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stro Show. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.